Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. This morning we're continuing our series. If you are new today or if you're visiting, we are working through the book of Mark. Now, we basically are going sequentially through the whole year through the book of Mark. Now, you may have missed some of the, um, the, the messages. Do you know, it's not cheating to go online, type in YouTube, Horsham Church of Christ, and actually go back and listen to some of the messages. You're, you're allowed to do that, just letting you know it's not cheating. But do you know, it kind of is cheating. We've sort of cheated because we haven't done it sequentially, have we, Simon? No. no. <laughs> so don't expect that it's been you know, right through from chapter one, right through to the end, because when we got to Easter, we jumped around a little and we went to the Easter story. So um, mess with your heads a little. We did go to the end, but now we're back into chapter four. So that's where we're up to. Last week, Simon did a huge amount of work in covering so many verses. This week, luckily for me, I don't have quite so many verses to cover. So this week, we're looking at Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. So you might have the old-fashioned version. You might have the, the U version app that you can get ready. But that's what we're looking at this week. So it's Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41. So... Just a little bit of a a background of where we're up to. So Jesus has been appointing his disciples and he has been telling heaps heaps of parables or stories and he's been doing this around the Lake Galilee. So I needed a picture because that's how my head works. So I went to good old Google to try and find a picture of what Lake Galilee might look like. And I found this one, so hopefully it's a, it's a good picture of, uh, for any, and I'm sure there's people here or online that have been there, so, and I'm sure you've got a much better picture, so apologies for those that have been there. But Jesus was preaching, and it says this in, in um, verses, uh, chapter, 30, uh, chapter 3, verses 9, and also chapter 4, verses 1, and, and Simon mentioned this last week. There were so many people, and it does mention in chapter 3, verses 8 to 9, that they came from, you can look it up, heaps and heaps of places, that he actually got into a boat and he was preaching from the shore, like from the boat, because there was heaps of people. But this is a great uh, image, for me anyway, of what it might have looked like. So we've got mountains surrounding the lake, and then you've got, you know, the, the lake in the middle. And so it helped me to understand why on earth there might, and just a little bit of a snapshot of what story we're covering, this is the story of the, the storm in the middle of the night, right? And then what happens with the disciples in the storm. So that's, we're going to read it in a sec. But I just wanted us to see what, where it was all happening. So here we are, picture a fishing boat about eight metres long in the middle of this lake, 
and a storm comes. And it was in the middle of the night, and I read somewhere, and maybe this is true, maybe not, that they did their fishing at night time. They went on the lake at night time because the storms always came during the day. That's the weather system was a daytime thing, not nighttime. So it was very odd that there was a storm at night. But yeah, it's kind of like a bowl. So there you go. Interesting little bit of a geography lesson for you all. Um, you can do more research if you want, and if you want to prove me wrong, go for it. Happy for that too. As I always say, go and do your own research. Don't believe everything from up here. But uh, yes. But we are going to read this passage soon. And it does talk in this passage about how the disciples are really panicking in a situation and about how Jesus is really calm. And so I was thinking about a situation in my life where, where there's panic and calm, panic and calm. And a story just popped into my head very easily. When I was in year six, I was a gymnast. I like to push myself. Um, bit of a daredevil at times. And back then, I was on the, the uh, uneven bars and doing a, a beautiful, well, actually, it wasn't so beautiful because you'll hear very soon what happened, a, a, a beautiful um, swing. And I got to the very top of the swing, right out, you know, right at the top of it, and I had too much chalk on my hands. And so I slipped off, fell down, onto my back and put my right arm to stop myself and shattered my bone in the top of my right arm. Well, it didn't go too well and of course it was broken um, and it was extremely painful and I panicked and I, obviously being around 11, um, let everyone in the gym know that I was distressed. Um, and so, yeah, so I was in quite a state. And so they ushered me into a room. I had my neighbour who did gym with me um, trying to, you know, keep me... But she was getting a little bit stressed too. Well, they rang my mum straight away, and a number of you have met my mum. But uh, so she came to the gym. It, it took a little while, I can't remember, because I was just um, not in a good place. She came into the room, and she... Uh, <laughs> this is all I remember. I, I, I don't know. I was 11 and who knows, but she came in and she's like, oh, what's going on here? Yeah, hurt yourself, have you, Linda? Okay, well, we'll just, you know, just hold your arm. It's all right, no props. We'll get it fixed, you know. Come on. Now, I don't know why they didn't call an ambulance. I mean, this is like, it was, it was like, you know, like not the right shape, this arm, you know. Why didn't they do something more than just ring my mum? I have no idea. You know, it was a serious break, obviously broken. But, you know, they called my mum. She said, oh, we'll just hop in the car. Off we go. Nothing, nothing, nothing to worry about. And so she got me in the car and... We went off to the hospital and sure enough, it was broken and, and it took a long time to recover and I never went back to gymnastics. <laughs> Not because of the break, but because of my ego. <laughs> anyway, am I over that? Well, not really. <laughs> anyway, that's all good. But uh, <laughs> sometimes some people panic and other people are calm. <laughs> so uh, anyway, let's read the passage, shall we? So let's get your Bibles out. Mark chapter 4, verse 
35. And it's on the screen if you want to read along there. That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, that's the back of the boat, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. It's a fascinating passage. And as I was looking at it, I'm like, why does it, why do they get terrified at the end? Why aren't they terrified in the middle? Like, why does this terrified word, what is this terrified word? And look, I have studied um, at uni, I have studied these things, but I have not studied Greek. I'm not, I'm not a language person. But there's this wonderful thing online called Blue Letter Bible for those, you know, people who love to get into those things. And it helps you understand the original language of the word. So I hopped online and had a look at Blue Letter Bible. And it showed me a fascinating thing. And there's this word in the Greek language, uh, in the original Greek, that's called megas, M-E-G-A-S. One guess where we get the word mega from. Yes, megas. Now, this, in this passage, there are three times that megas is used. So we're just going to go back and have a look at where megas is used. The first time megas is used is in relation to the squall. So when it says a furious squall, it is a mega, a megas squall. Massive, big storm. Now remember, these guys that are on this boat are fishermen, okay? So they should be able to handle a storm in a fishing boat. They should be able to handle this. What, why is this storm so, so hard to handle? Maybe it's because it's a mega, a mega storm. It's a big one. And it's at night when they weren't expecting it. So one thing, it's, 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 a big, it's a big one. When's the next time that this word megas pops up? It's in verse 39. Can you see where it might be? Strange, where would it be? It's right at the end where it says, then the wind died down and it was completely calm. It was megas calm. So it was hugely calm. So we go from the massive storm to the 
massive calm. And that's what Jesus produced at a simple statement of quiet, be still, he produced the incredibly opposite effect. Massive this to massive that. But the third one, the third one is in verse 41. In verse 41, it says, they were terrified And again, it's the megas terrified. They were completely, if I was a swearing person, maybe I would swear. They were completely terrified. They were like just so terrified. They had no idea who this man was in their presence. Now, why was it that they were so terrified because the storm had finished. There was no need to be terrified anymore because there was no storm anymore. So why were they so terrified? And there's a little bit of insight that we need to um, dig into and have a look at why these men were so, so terrified. So let's go back and have a look in the Old Testament In Psalm 89, verses 8 to 13 is the first place we're going to step into. But we're particularly going to look at verse 9. And this is what it says. And this is talking about God. You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. Your arm is endowed with power. Your hand is strong. Your right hand exalted. So this is God who has this power. This is God, and they know this. They, the disciples know these passages. They, they are men who know the Old Testament. And then this is from Psalm 65 verses 5 to 8 and this particular one is verse 6 and it's talking about God our Saviour who formed the mountains by your power having armed yourself with strength who stilled the roaring of the seas the roaring of their waves and the turmoil of the nations they were terrified because they realised that this man might be God that this man might be God in their presence. And that's when they started to panic. (laughs) Could it be God? Could this man also be God? Could it really be him? You know, Mark, in his writing of his Uh, gospel starts to reveal more and more about who Jesus is and this is another example of him opening up another aspect of who Jesus is so it's uh, he's a very clever gospel writer in that regard and it's a fascinating account as we look in into the disciples minds as we discover as they discover who Jesus is.
Have you ever been in the middle of a crisis, whether it be on a boat or whether it be something else, and you've cried out to God and you're like, God, I need you, I need you right now. I'm not even sure if you exist, but help. Don't you know that I need you? Don't you care for me? Why aren't you showing up? Wake up, God. I need you now. I need you right now. But God, he's already there. He's already here. And he will always be with us. And as this passage shows, we just need to trust him. And if we go back and have a look at what Jesus said to the disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Jesus wanted to reassure the disciples that it's okay, that he, he's with them. He's with them. Do you still have no faith? That he doesn't need to and he won't always stop the storms or stop the crisis or heal the disease. But it's enough that Christ is with us on the journey. I'm sure that there are many, many testimonies in this room, online, and there is my own testimony about how God doesn't leave us in the mess, when we're going through the mess. But sometimes, sometimes, not always, but sometimes when we're in the mess, we can't see it. And it's only in hindsight that we see the hand of God time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. How he was with us, how he placed someone here, how he did this thing, how he had this book for us, how he... So many things that God does for us when we're in the crisis, when we're in the mess, when we're going through a hardship, when things are tough. Because God never, ever, ever leaves us. There, it's an eye-opening reality of God's presence when you go through a crisis, to find just how real his presence is. Just how real he is. Um, yeah, I don't recommend going through a crisis to find it out, but he is with you and he is with me. When I was trying to think of a way, an example in the Word that talks more about this, I was drawn to a parable that is in Luke's and Matthew's Gospel. 
In Luke chapter 6, verses 46 to 49, it talks about the parable of the wise and the foolish builders. It talks about how Jesus was talking about the importance of digging down the roots so that we can have a firm foundation, so that our houses are ready to um, hold firm when the torrent hits. And it's interesting, isn't it, that it's another example of a storm, another example of what happens when a storm hits. So let's have a little look at some verses of what happens for the wise man when that torrent hits. So the wise man who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. And when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, the torrent struck that house, but could not shake it because it was well built. But what is it that's well built? What does that mean? What is he talking about in that parable? Well, if we go back at the beginning of the parable and he's, he says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, this is verse 47, I will show you what they are like. They are like this man who hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like this wise man. You know, the torrent struck the wise man. The torrent struck the foolish man. The torrent came. It wasn't that the houses were built and the torrent didn't come. It came. It came. But it was the result of the foundations that made the end product different. So what can we take away? What can we learn about all of this that we've been hearing about today? I think, as I reflected on this, that if we are in the fine weather mode, if you're cruising along and you're not in a crisis right now, well, what can you do? What can you do in this time to be ready? What can you do to prepare? Well, you can plant your roots down deep. You can be ready so that when, um, when that time comes, you know that Jesus is with you. you don't, when you do cry out, and you will cry out, you know that Jesus is with you. You can have that firm knowledge that Jesus is with you. Don't, don't think that you won't need to cry out because <laughs> that will still be the case. But we can get to know Jesus. We can get to know God through the word. We can spend time, intimate time with our Lord in prayer, listening to him, getting to know him, getting to know others who know him, investing in that time so that we are ready. But the reality is that there are people here, there are people online listening 
that we're right in the thick of it now. We're in it now. Firstly, know that Christ is with you. He will never, ever, ever, ever leave you. Ever. Sometimes it's hard because you can't feel that. Sometimes the emotional feeling disappears. But know that the word is true and that he is with you. Trust in him. Cry out to him. But not only that, let us help you. As a Christian family, brothers and sisters in Christ, we want to be able to help you through this, to not do it alone. So please let us help you through the storm, help you through the crisis. We can pray for you, we can practically help you, because these storms are hard and we don't want anyone to be doing it alone. So let's have a bit of a recap. First of all, this passage shows us that Jesus is clearly telling us he is God. He is in, con in control of creation. There's, there's no doubt that this passage is a, a clear indicator that he is God, that even the wind and the waves obey him. But as well as that, that we just need to have faith in him. That we need to trust in him. That even when we can't feel it, when we don't know what he's going to do, what his plan is, and we feel, feel like he's asleep in the back and he's not going to wake up and we don't know what's going to go on, What's he going to do? Is he going to, you know, like, uh, they're in the boat and they're like, is he going to um, get the boat to the other side? Is he going to, uh, what's going to happen? He's still asleep. And, uh, well, I can't see how this is going to resolve at all. We're going to have to intervene. We're going to have to wake him up because I can't see how it's going to possibly. Well, he would have worked something out, I think, <laughs> without them waking him up. But anyway, he woke up and took control in a different way. I, I think he would have had it under control anyway. But... We just need to trust in him. He's got it under control already. We need to have faith in him. But get to know him when the weather is fair. Get to know him by reading the word, by spending time with him. Get to know him better. So that when the perils of life do come and they do in all shapes and sizes and some of you are experiencing that right now we can know that he is with us we can know that he is with us and maybe it's at that point it might just be a head knowledge or it can be a heart knowledge but we know that he is with us and that he never, ever leaves us. So as we finish up, and if I can ask the, the band to come up, I want you to know that there is an opportunity 
for us to be able to spend time with you this morning. If you need prayer, if you just need to be able to say, God, where are you? I'm, I have no idea and I'm going through this awful thing. Or maybe you don't even have the words. You can't even get it out because whatever it is that's going through, it's just too hard. It is too hard. Then we can just be there alongside you without words sometimes as well, and that's okay. But maybe you don't even know who this God is and you're like, what? You're talking about that God is with us and I don't even know who God is. And if you want to know more about who this God is that never, ever, ever will leave you, I'd love to have a conversation with you this morning to be able to talk about how you too can know intimately this amazing God. Mm -hmm.